Hey, Pam Powell. Hello, Chuck Koplinski. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing peachy keen. You know, remember a couple weeks ago, I said that, you know, I had seen a couple movies that got me all excited because they were so good and they reminded me about why I like movies and watch them and like to discuss them. Remember I said that? I do. I, I, yeah. I distinctly remember that. Yeah. I had the exact opposite experience <laughs> this week. Isn't it so true? I quite agree with you. Oh, my God, this week was Horrid. horrendous. Yeah. Horrid, horrendous in so many ways. So, and sometimes I think that's good because those movies are fun to talk about. So this should be, I think, a fun podcast. And I think there was one that I liked more than you. So that'll be interesting as well. All right. Well, since since this is kind of, you think this is going to be fun and it's, it's, and it will be because I hated so many movies this week. <laughs> you start us off. Where are we going to start this week? I'm going to let you take the lead. Mm. Um, let's ramp up the things. Okay. You, know, you can't start out white hot with your anger or disgust. So you have to ramp up to that. So let's ramp right. up to it. Um, and there are so many. Why don't we start with uh, Beast? Okay. <laughs> we're starting there. Yeah, we're starting there. Uh, Beast is, well, because it's the big one this week. It is. And it stars your guy, Idris Elba. My guy, Idris Elba. I think he's everybody's guy. You know, he's got that, um, he's just got that way about it. Oh, yeah. That appeals not just to, you know, women or people who would be sexually attracted to him, but he's the kind of guy also, as if you're a guy watching it, you would hope he's like your best buddy. Really? You know, you can relate to him. You know, he's not so remote. That was the problem I always had with John Wayne. John Wayne was just such a tough guy. And such a hard ass all the time. You couldn't imagine going out with a beer with him. You couldn't okay. imagine. Okay. You know, uh, Cooper, James Stewart, Idris Elba. You, 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 there's, there's less gravity. You could relate to them. And I certainly related to him in this. Uh, he plays a doctor who has gone to Africa with his two daughters, two teenage daughters. They've gone back to the village where his wife, their mother, was from. And she has recently died, succumbed to cancer. So they're going back to visit, pay homage, pay their respects. And dad uh, and mom divorced before she died, before he, he, she was diagnosed. And the girls, one of them, Mar, more than any of them, more than the other, uh, resent him for having left and not come back and taken care of mom. So there's a lot of family dynamics going on there, a lot of tension. Uh, they uh, look up an old buddy, uh, played by Shalto Copley from New Zealand. Uh, he's a game warden and they go out on safari and they go out on safari and they run into some problems because from the first scene of the film we see poachers have been out and have wiped out an entire pride of lions except for one the alpha male and he is on the rampage going to wipe out any human that he finds and he uh we first know this from a village they stumble upon uh in which all the villagers have been killed well before you know it soon they're separated uh, soon, uh, dad and the two girls are stuck in the Jeep. And of course, the Jeep, well, it's out of commission. And there's a big lion out there that wants to eat them. And that's basically your story. <laughs> you know, I'm that's sure it. this was like the quick, this was the quickest pitch in film history. Idris Elba fighting a lion. There you go. We got a movie. Done. Done greenlit. <laughs> Done greenlit. 
I know you're going to be upset with me. No, oh, and, and I like that. I kind of liked it. Why? I kind of liked it. Why? It was fun. It, it was, was fun. not fun. It was, was totally fun. Oh my God. What was fun about it to you, Chuck? Because the, the lion almost got him how many times? I mean, it was, it was fun. It was kind of scary. It was, I kept looking at this and I was like, my God, the special effects are incredible. Absolutely incredible. Because I thought the lion was completely convincing <laughs> as far as, you know, that was concerned. Um, and I know, I know that you have problems with the end. And the end, there are some problems. Uh, there are problems from start to finish. No, there are. No, there are. <laughs> you admitted, you admitted you were hangry when you watched this movie. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely was. Definitely. You admitted that. I, I did admit that. However. And, and I think that I, may have... Oh. Go ahead, go ahead. Did that, did that skew my review? Maybe. No, not okay. entirely. It didn't help the review. I can tell okay. you that. <laughs> so from the beginning, what was wrong with it? Oh my goodness. I actually, you know, I loved the beginning. I really enjoyed the very first part of it. I loved the banter. Hang on. I loved the banter between Mare and Nora, the two girls, the the teenage, almost teenage girls, one's a teenager. Very realistic. Oh my God, the 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 crap that they gave back and forth to each other. They're they're complaining about the heat and the humidity. And oh my God, my sweat's sweating, my spleen is sweating, and the sweat on top of that. That was some funny stuff. And then where did that go? Then their irritating behavior just became irritating because they bickered about nothing repetitively. Now, yes, yes, yes. I know what you're going to say. Kids do that. Yes, I know that. I have. That's a hangry response. (laughs) No, it is not. It was, I felt like the director who is, let's see who the director of this, this was Baltasar Cormacor told the kids, Cold, thank you. Told the kids just just fight in the back seat, just fight, just and and they ran out of things to fight about because they weren't truly siblings. Because let me tell you, you put my two kids in the back seat at that age, and they would have gone at it. So it was just so repetitive and forced that I didn't. I felt bad for the for the kids that played these characters because I don't think they had enough to say. I don't think they were I given. It seems a little nitpicky to me, but go ahead. No, because no, because it was just repetitive. Okay, these this is the dialogue that I heard. Dad, don't go. What does dad what else do? What's they gonna say? I don't know. Over <laughs> and over again. Dad, don't go. Dad, I mean, on and on every single time. Dad goes, and then dad is in the car, and he says, "Don't go anywhere. Stay in the car." And always the the teenage girl leaves it's just like they just ran out of stuff to do and they just repeated in a little different situation and i didn't buy the special effects at all i can't believe you thought that lion looked real the way he looked real oh, oh my god okay so spoiler alert earmuffs if you need to there's an explosion and the lion miraculously lives after that explosion. And then, and then he shakes himself off as if he just I'm got not, a little dust of water. I'm not, I'm not talking about that part of the movie. Well, which part are you talking about? When he's under the, when, when uh, Elba's underneath the truck and the lion's trying to get him, when the lion's trying to get into the thing, I'll, I'll give you the end. The end's ridiculous. I'll give you that. But no, I thought as far as the special effects and the realism there, I was there. Okay. All right. Well, I kept eat, nitpicking eat, apart. Eat, eat next time. 
eat next time. I will eat next time. Damn traffic and construction on I-57. Two hours. And there's that too. You were pissed <laughs> off walking into that movie. I was a little and, pissed. And, and, that it, does, and that affects things. It that does. Things. It does. But if it's good, it'll snap me right out of it. And it didn't because it's not good. That lion, that Jeep. Oh, my God. A lion could have easily tipped that baby over and they can squeeze into anything. Have you ever had a cat? There's three people in that Jeep. It was heavier. Oh, <laughs> let me ask you a question, though. Let me ask what? you a question. Uh Jaws makes no sense, you know. Okay. It makes no sense at all. So if you pick this apart, you got to pick that apart. Um, I think what the difference is, is the skill of the filmmaker. Yeah. As far as approaching the material. And this guy is no Spielberg by a long shot. And the thing that bothered me most about this guy was that he wouldn't set the camera down at times. Right. I got dizzy yeah. a couple of times with his handheld walk and tracking shots. I'm like, dude, you're not adding the tension. You're getting me nauseous. Right, right. I can, and, I can see that. And that upset me. It, the other thing is, is he just used these stereotypical tropes. Ooh, they left the window down. Let's take the camera and really hold in on the fact that the, the window got broken. Oh, it got rolled down and then it got broken. Give me then, a then the window was open. Oh my goodness. All right. How about the door open in the schoolhouse that they went to? And then it's again, camera pans in on that to make sure you didn't miss the fact that the door was left open. Wow. Wow. Oh, every Damn, single, no. it was supposed to be a jump scare. Didn't work at all because he set it up too intentionally and didn't Do you let see me. see what I'm doing think. right now? You're, you eating a, you're eating a banana. It is driving me nuts. You before you see movies. My God. <laughs> More. I I wanted to like this Chuck. I love Idris Elba, as you know, and I thought it started off that it had okay. Let's let's think about this. It started off with a lot of potential with this underlying current of kids are mad at dad because dad wasn't there when mom was dying. Where did that go? It came up at really inopportune times. Oh, hold on a second, Lion. I know you're crashing into the window. Dad, I'm mad at you because you left us. Really? This is when you're going to bring this up? This is ridiculous. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, Louie. Louie just reacted to that. That's the kind of panting wow. that happened. Wow. I thought it was awful. Simply awful. Okay, we know what Pam needs to do now before she goes to the movies. And next time I go with you, I'm making sure you eat. You, you bring me okay. some food. Bring me I'm going to make sure you eat. Yes. Go to Hamilton Walker's, pick me up a full meal, and have it ready for me. <laughs> At Hamilton Walker's, huh? Okay, yeah, I'll yeah. do that. You know, I'm kind of a... My, my daughter called me a major food snob today, so or yesterday. So. You mean pain in the ass? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be it. That would be it, Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, I, I felt like we started in on the biggie as far as getting Oh, angry, no, no, so. no, no, no. There's uh, two more of that, yeah. Yes, so, there go are. ahead, where are we headed now? Oh, God, I don't know. Let's let's take a look at Delia's Gone. No, okay. Wait, what, where did you want to go? That's fine, but you know what? Uh, I forgot about that movie completely. <laughs> and that should tell you everything. Yeah, and, and it really is pretty darn forgettable. Given the cast, I didn't think that it would be. 
Um, Paul Walter Hauser, who I absolutely adore. First saw him and I, Tanya, and he's had an incredible career playing the same type of character. He does break out a little bit in this one as a police officer. And we also have Marissa Tomei, who plays a, um, I guess she is a sheriff of this small podunk little town. Former um, sheriff, yeah. Yeah. And then um, we've got Let's see, Stephen James, who was in um, If Beale Street Could Talk. We yeah. interviewed we talked him. talked to him. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, what an incredible film that was. Um, and he plays Lewis, this young man who has had some kind of a brain trauma. Mm -hmm. And so he exhibits behaviors like somebody who is on the spectrum, um, which I thought was was okay, the situation isn't comical, but how they relayed that information to the viewer was ridiculously comical. Um, again, hit me over the head. Um, and then we, we've got the woman that, who plays his sister is Janelle, um, who Delia. plays Delia. Mm -hmm. So Delia's, Delia tries to make ends meet. She's into a few things she shouldn't be into, and she ends up dead. Well, this young man, Steve, or Lewis, feels... Um, like me, he might've been the one responsible and then convinces himself that he was responsible for her death, ends up going to jail, spending five years behind jail for the death of his sister. The guilt that he feels is just incredible until one day he gets a visitor from somebody who says, Hey, you don't know the whole story behind what happens. And then we've got Lewis going on a killing rampage and a, and a beating rampage. Well, well that those they're accidental. <laughs> whatever and he somehow even with his traumatic brain injury is able to plan out thoughtfully different plans so that he can find out the truth behind his sister's death um i i don't know about you i got bored i started nitpicking other things apart it was a nitpicky kind of week did you i was Huh? I did. I was, did you eat before this one? I did. I was, I was eating popcorn while I was watching this okay. one. All right. <laughs> I was not hangry. I, again, was just disappointed because this story just didn't make any sense. It had so many holes in it that I just felt like I was, uh, it was like a sifter and I was just pouring the plot right through. Yeah, I kept waiting because there's so much talent there. I kept waiting. I'm like, okay, this is going to click. We're going to turn a corner. It's going to happen. And it never happened. And what the hell was going on with Marissa Tomei? That was the worst performance I've ever seen her give. <laughs> I mean, she sleptwalked through this movie. You know what? To me, it I seemed mean, like she was in confusion. She just didn't know who she was supposed to be. And her character yeah. and her motive never came through until close to the end of the movie. And I think that's when she actually read the script and figured out who she was. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Because you're right. Tomei is incredible. We should have gotten much more on that. Yeah, that was, that, it was a big misstep for her. And uh, yeah, there's a reason that this one is getting only a very limited release. Uh, and I think it's on VOD as well today. So, yeah, it is what it is. So let that one get by. And what it is is forgettable. So skip it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else you want to talk about there? I think you're going to go. Uh, with, come on. Come on. Which one? Which one? Well, yeah, let me, yeah. real quick, I'm going to say, talk about one I saw that you didn't. Okay. Called Glorious. Okay, before you say any more, 
I wanted to see that one, but I didn't remember the name of it. So I, I really want to hear you review on this. You are shaking your head no at me. Okay. Yeah. Gloria starts on Shudder uh, this weekend. And um, it's J.K. Simmons is in it, but he's not in it. Okay. All we hear is his voice okay. throughout. Okay. And he is the voice of some entity, some god who resides in the toilet of a rest stop. Okay? Okay. Okay. One day, uh, in stumbles uh, a guy who is very much uh, he's distressed. And this guy, his name Wes, played by some guy named Ryan Quantin, who I'd never heard of. We get the, some implication that his girlfriend, his wife, someone has died and perhaps he's responsible for it. He hears this voice and every once in a while underneath the stall, we see this green sack, like an embryonic sack with tendrils inside and moving around. And there's a peephole into this stall. And the J.K. Simmons voice tells him not to look. Do not look in here. The whole gist of it is, is that this God knows what he did. And he says, the universe requires a favor from you as a reckoning. I got through about 45 minutes of this thing and gave up. No. Absolutely gave up. And this movie, this movie has a running time of 79 minutes. <laughs> you, so, you, you just couldn't make it any further huh? i just couldn't make the acting was awful i mean this this guy um quantin my, uh, let's hope he, i never see him again and it was one of those where this was probably a good twilight zone episode 40 45 minutes boom 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 let's get let's go but they had to drag it out for you know someone stumbles into the restroom where they're having their conversation he has to get killed. Someone, uh, I mean, flashbacks that, you know, were far too long. This thing, you know, th this is, you know, I like horror films and they have a bad reputation and they have a bad reputation because of crap like this. Right, right. And this makes horror films hard to defend, the movies like this. Uh, my wife was watching it, you know, with me and she said, this is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, she won't watch a movie with me anyway. And then seeing this, yeah, it's never going to happen again. So, yeah, glorious. I didn't stick through it to find out what the name means. Sorry about that, gang. Uh, <laughs> if someone wants to suffer and find that out, you let us know. I'm not even going to touch that one. So yeah, don't. <laughs> we got we got other things to watch. We, we do. We do. Um, one of them I think I liked a little more than you did is get away if you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah you tell us about that one. <laughs> excuse me um yeah I, I think the first thing that piqued my interest is ed harris and i really like riley smith too so ed did ed harris lose a bet <laughs> is that why okay. he's in this movie he must have lost a bet no i i think i think actually ed harris has taken a few chances here with some different things um that he's been doing Anyway, so we've, we've got these uh, two young people, uh, one played by Riley Smith and the other one, or excuse me, Terrence Martin, and the other one played by Dominique Braun, who I don't know her at all. Um, these two people are on a sailboat. We meet them on a sailboat. 
and they're not getting along too well. Okay, now I am going to back up just a step here. And I, as you know, have been taking sailing lessons on Lake Michigan. And I, as you also know, will be taking a trip with my husband in close quarters for a week's time. So this one really kind of like, ooh, ooh, could this be us on that trip? <laughs> Did he watch it with you? <laughs> no, he wouldn't watch it with me, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> probably. Probably. So, uh, so I, I want to point out real quick, the two actors and the actress, they're also the writers and director of this film. Thank you. Thank you very yes. much. So is it based on a little bit of, of reality and they took well, a trip and they got on each other's nerves? <laughs> let's just keep that in mind as we talk. <laughs> All right, so this is a non-linear story. We are flashing back in time. Am I getting that straight? Because I was a little mm -hmm. confused. Okay. We're yeah, we're flashing, jumping around. Yeah, flashing back in time to see where this young couple started and how they got to this place near the Easter Islands. There's a, a group of islands, I guess, that are called the... That's Islands of Despair. Islands of Despair. Thank you. And she wants nothing more than to jump off the boat and have a little holiday on this rocky little island because she's just had it with being inside with him. And her her hubby doesn't want to do that. He is, has been raised by Ed Harris, who sounds like he's a very toxic masculine guy, maybe from the military, and and he doesn't like his son's choice in, in his wife, and he says, you need to be the man, you need to be the commander-in-chief, and tell her what to do, and he's trying to break them up, and that's, we get all this information by flashing back in time. Um, they end up being on this, or she ends up going to this island and setting up a camp for a while. Meanwhile, her husband is back on the boat and trying to figure out how to woo her back because he knows he's been a bit of a dick. Um, I, the ending is what confused me on uh -huh. this, it uh -huh. really, but I liked all of it until, well, that, that final scene is going to stay in my memory for a long, long time. So the title I think has a great bearing on the final scene. I think that's the lengths that you go to get away if you can. So I liked it. I'm on the fence though. Um, I think I liked it maybe for more personal reasons because it was the whole sailing boat thing. Um, but it was certainly unique. It was unique, but that last 10 minutes just ditched it for me, just ruined it for me. Okay. It was like they were trying some really interesting things. And then all of a sudden it becomes a personal home movie porno. And it's like, what are we doing here? And what the character does at the end, him, makes no sense at all. Come on. That oh. makes no sense at all. I mean, I know you do stupid things when you're in love. Right. But that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, I, it's, it's I, like it suddenly, it suddenly became the Blue Lagoon. Suddenly we're stranded in paradise. And everything's going to be fine and peachy keen at this point. Right, right. You know. And, and yeah, I don't know how... Obviously, their personal relationship is, you know, and then the writing and directing of this, it obviously impacts the whole thing. Um, it just seemed, and, and I guess the thing that upset me about it was that I was liking it. Yeah. I did like it. And then it just took this turn, and I'm like, what, what, what happened here? You know, did we suddenly take a bowl of stupid pills, and then suddenly, you know, this is what we get? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I will say one thing, though. This one was less than 80 minutes, so that was good. 
I did enjoy that, but uh, yeah, they, I needed something more at the end. Let me, let me ask you this. And, and if you're going to watch this movie, I would suggest maybe fast forwarding by 30 to 60 seconds right now, because Chuck, I'm not quite sure how far in time did we go to the end of the movie? Was that That's a, a year? Question. Two years? I don't know. That's a good question. But why? If, they, if we do have a time jump, why? Suddenly everything's okay after being stranded for a year and we just watch the seals and everything's fine. And, you know, if I did get to watch seals every day, I probably would be a better person. No question about it. <laughs> I kind of had to go to the Easter Islands now and maybe take yeah. a little visit over to the despair ones. <laughs> yeah, look pretty cool. It's almost, you know, and I kept looking at the running time and I'm like, did you run out of money? Was there something that was shot that wasn't put in? It just, it just, at the ending, it seemed just a little too disjointed and that there was something missing. Because you make a good point. You raise a good question about the whole time thing. Right. Uh, and we, I don't think we should be having that question by that point. There's True. Some, True. You know. Yeah. And, and I mean, just based on their looks, it looks like many, many months, if not years, have passed by since the last time we saw them, since the last cut. And yet, they have not lost their passion, have they? Well, hey, when you're on an island and you just got each other, what are you going to do? And oh. then, Okay, so to jump back then, that is one of the issues that the two of them had from the very beginning is, is that he had lost interest in her and she needed that sexual component to their relationship and he didn't anymore. And that was a big issue between the two of them. Yeah, he's a dope. Yeah. That's all I got to say. He's a dope. But, you know, I thought it was also interesting, though, you know, he's very much an American. She's very much European. Right. And, you know, the, the clash they have over in uh, as far as relationships are concerned, as far as sex is concerned, as far as how you treat each other are concerned. I mean, that was at the core of this whole thing. Right. Um, well, and there was that gender and- struggle between the two of them, too, that I found to be quite interesting in that. He felt that he needed to be the captain of the ship, literally and figuratively. And she was like, no, you don't tell me what to do. We talk about this together or I am literally jumping ship. And that's basically his dad talking. Yes. That's his dad talking. That's that toxic influence. Well, I don't know. I, I, quite frankly, I think we've talked more about this movie than it deserves. Uh, But you liked it more than I. I. I did. All right. So let's jump to the other one. There's two more left. At least. I've got sharp stick left. Okay. How about spin me around? Oh, I didn't put that one down. Yes. Spin me around. All right. What do you want to do? I want you to do sharp stick. Sharp stick. (laughs) You know, this movie pissed me off in some of the same ways that that horror film from earlier this year, Fresh, pissed me off. Okay as far as how manipulative Lena Dunham is in this movie. I mean, this is a, a, a con job, a, a, a big manipulation from the word go. Um, Dunham's in it, unfortunately. Uh, and it deals with a, a woman who is 26 years old. Now you wouldn't think she's 26 years old because of the way she dresses and the way she acts. And her name is Sarah Joe, played by Christine 
Froseth, very good performance. I like this girl. She was very good in the film. She is. Sarah Jo is in one of these hippy-dippy families led by Jennifer uh, Jason Lee, his mom, Marilyn. She's one of those free spirits, man. And she uh, took a, another child in at birth uh, named uh, Trina, played by Taylor Page. And then she had a relationship and got pregnant and then had uh, Sarah Jo. Uh, and the two girls have been profoundly affected by their mother's outlook on life uh, as far as relationships concerned and the freedom that goes with them. And, but she does drive home that all men are, men are jerks. And that's the main point I got from this film. Men, we fucking suck. If you didn't realize this, watch this movie. All men are horrible. That is definitely at the forefront of Sharp Stick. Well, again, we've got the 26-year-old Sarah Jo who it seems as though intellectually her development stops someplace in high school. Look at the notebooks she writes in and the list she makes. And she, we get, we're privy to a couple of uh, letters that she writes. And just the way she has this stream of consciousness thing. Uh, she may be 26, but she's really just a teenager. She's a babysitter. Uh, and John Berthall is the dad in this family, married to Lena Dunham which I guess if you're the director and writer, you can pull that sort of casting off. Anyway, she's attracted to him and she basically tells him that she wants him to be her first. She's a virgin at 26. Well, as any uh, you know, scum of the earth man would do, of course he demures and says, no, 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 I can't. But then of course succumbs to this and shows her the way of being a sexual being, and then makes the mistake of introducing her to pornography. And oh my God, that just blows her mind. And she makes a list of all these sexual things that she wants to accomplish over the course of a year. Some of them incredibly, incredibly extreme. I couldn't help but think that I was watching pedophilia as I was watching this film. It was icky. The, the way this girl is presented, her dress, her demeanor, her actions. It's like she's in high school. She's not of age. She may be 26, which is awful convenient in the script, right. but that's not how she's presented. And that really pissed me off because it's like you're, it, 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 she's setting us up. Are you titillated by this? Do you think this is sexy? Should you really be thinking this is sexy? Fuck you, Lena Dunham. It was just very, very manipulative and not fair as far as the way this is all presented and the way we're supposed to react to it. Now, I'm reacting as a scum of the earth man. Maybe you're looking at this differently. No, I, I thought it was disgusting. And I totally agree with you. Somebody who is cognitively not of age is not of age. And I thought it was I, disgusting. Well, like we said with Thresh, a woman, made, a woman made that. So, oh my gosh, it's groundbreaking. But if a man would have made that, it would have been misogynist. Can you imagine a man making this film? No, no. I don't know what the reviews of this have been, but I know that I, I struggled through it because I needed to, to be able to discuss it with you. Otherwise I would have turned it off. And I could not believe that John Barenthal was in it. Could not believe that. I, I thought he had a little bit more couth, a little bit more. I thought his standards were higher because this was disgusting. And then, you know, they, they're talking about a cognitive disability. And then they have another young man, young boy in there, um, I believe with Down syndrome. Right. And the, the boy I, she takes care of. 
Yeah. And I, I feel like they, they took advantage of that again, pulling on those heartstrings. How can you not like a movie that, sh- that highlights some, some disabilities and how horrible of you not to like this. So I, I understand you being pissed off. I'm pissed off at that as well. Um, and I think the takeaway message is always, you know, 99.9% of men are scum um, and out there for one reason. Um, but there, there are exceptions to those rules. Um, but it was just, it was, it was disgusting to me to, to yeah. watch how this, this young girl, cause that's all she, she was. She was a young girl. She was not yeah. a young woman because she cognitively wasn't there. So disgusting. Thank you. I thought maybe it was just me. Nope. But- no, we actually agree on one. Woo-hoo. Well, good. <laughs> Let's talk about Spin Me Round real quickly. I know we're running out of time here. Um, what a cast, huh? We've and got. That, 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 that lured me in. You know what? I, okay. And, and I do judge a book by its cover. I saw the poster and yeah. I will, and I will <laughs> request a movie based on a poster. You've seen me do that. And then you question yeah. me like, what the good hell were you thinking? It's a good poster. I didn't like the poster. And okay. he said, take a look at the cast. And so I looked at the cast. I'm like, oh, looks like I might have missed something. We've got Aubrey Plaza, Alison Brie. Um, let's see who else is in that. Alessandra Nivola. Alessandro Nivola, who I love. Lil Rel Howery, which I can never say his name right. Uh, Fred Armisen, Zach Woods. I mean, tons of comedic talent in here. Lauren Weedman, I really like her. So I thought, okay, this is going to be fun. This is about... An Olive Garden. Sorry, it's called Tuscan Grove. <laughs> and yeah, I gotta say, the beginning—it's got some pros and cons to this movie. The beginning I, is they're showing yeah, the, the processed food that they make, like like fettuccine Alfredo. Oh it's my authentic. god, it's authentic. <laughs> oh my god, it was so disgusting. That big squeezy tube of fettuccine sauce or Alfredo sauce. It was disgusting. So this, this girl, Allison works at, um, this Olive Garden ish kind of place, Tuscan Grove. And because she has done such a great job, she has, um, won, if you will, air quotes on that, a trip to Italy to learn all about how Tuscan Grove started and to really up her game as a manager of Tuscan Grove. Well, she goes thinking that she is going to be in this amazing place because that's what the brochure showed, this palatial estate, and they end up being in something that is a rundown version (laughs) of a Red Roof Inn built in 1970 and never updated. And, And that was fun. (laughs) <laughs> that was that funny. Was funny. Yeah. There were some very, very funny points to this. And it's it's a group of mostly women, a couple of guys that are, you know, sitting now in a room and watching video, not yeah, videotapes, like VHS videotapes in a classroom. And they're not allowed to leave. They're not allowed to go in and, and experience Italy on their own. They can go on field trips. Well, Alessandro uh, Nivola plays the founder of Tuscan Grove, and he has his eye on Alison Brie as her character. Do you remember her name offhand? Amber. Amber, thank you. Well, takes her under his wing, literally and figuratively, brings, him, brings her onto his yacht, woos her, and all of a sudden dumps her. And then it's on to the next one and the next one. And we've got Aubrey Plaza who plays his sister. Or assistant. 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 Okay. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure what the relationship between the two of them yeah. were. 
And um, she seems to be the one who is like cultivating these relationships, uh -huh. and putting uh -huh. the two of them together or the two of whomever together. Um, it is a bizarre scenario. And as things play out and you learn about what's really happening, that's when it lost me. Well, uh, I, I, two things on this movie. I felt as though I was watching a movie being workshopped because the jokes made me chuckle, but they didn't make me laugh out loud. Right. And it was like, you need to go back and work this joke a couple more times. Let's get it to where it needs to be. Refine it. But then the whole specter of Jeffrey Epstein just hangs over this film. This is exactly what Epstein would do. Right. He's recruiting these women. He, it's, it's you know workplace abuse, sexual abuse. And that isn't funny. <laughs> no, I'm not. sorry. It's, it's not funny, even though there are funny moments in the movie. I just couldn't shake this whole notion of, are you guys just so tone deaf? Have you not read The Room lately? Yeah, this, this really, and I sound like an old prude, but it just didn't strike me as something that they should be joking about. Yeah. I and mean, if, they, if they had just left that out and the whole thing was just, oh, the restaurant's a sham and nothing is as it seems, that was funny stuff. But the whole sexual predator thing, it just didn't sit well. No, no, it didn't. It didn't end well with me either. I'm looking at, um, it looks like Alison Brie was a co-writer on this. Yeah. And Jeff Baina um, also yeah. co-wrote it and I believe directed it. And he did the little hours that Aubrey Plaza was in. So this right. is a tight, tight knit group of people. Uh, I guess they're married. Um, so this is, you know, a, a small group of people who probably sat around over drinks one night and and came up with this cockamamie kind of thing. But yeah, tone tone deaf is a very good way to put it. This is tone deaf. Yeah, they need to do a little bit more drinking and a little bit more working on this one. Yeah, so. they definitely did. Well, let's a hope next week is better. Yes, we've got a winner next week, I bet. What do you think? I'm hoping so. We've got some potential stuff going, so uh, we'll have to check back in to see. But yeah, fingers crossed, because I can't take another week like this. Nope, me neither. Thanks for listening, everybody. Chuck, glad we could agree and disagree. It's always a lot of fun. You bet. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.